0: Y'all remain standing just for a moment, please. Can I share this with you? Thank you. Not a problem. Praise God. You know, the thing about when we come in in the presence of God, and then when we assemble ourselves together, which the word tells us that as we see the day draw near not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. You need me. I need you. Okay. And that's part of being part of the body of Christ amen, amen. but when we come we need to be receptive to the word oh, yes. amen. the the word changes our lives yes, it does. Amen. now the the question is do we allow it to change amen. our lives so the responsibility falls on us as individuals yes, amen. okay even things that we may have learned thought we have been taught or we've learned or we've we adhere to whether we know it to be truth or not. A lot of times we do that sitting in church. We assume that all the preachers we hear on the radio or we see on the TV or that we've heard uh, at different places that, that they're always telling the truth. They're sharing the, the truth of God's word but sometimes we get the t- translations kind of mangled just a little bit. And the word is to change our lives. And so, is the word that you hear? Does it change your life? That's good. Amen. If it does not change your life, then maybe you need to question what you're hearing. Okay. And hearing comes in multiple ways. Okay, it, it it comes in the fact of us reading the word. You know, we we hear it because we're reading it to ourselves. We we hear that. We we say it in our mind and in our heart. Right. And then also in meetings or words or tapes or CDs or whatever. I mean, we can go down a long list of stuff, okay? But the thing is, get it down in your heart. The true Word of God. Amen. Allow the Word of God to, to permeate down into your being, okay? Amen. And so, as, as let's, let's pray together. And I, I want to kind of just, you, you don't have to follow with me, but I want you to hear Amen. my prayer, okay? Amen. So, Father God, we come before you. We're in your presence, and Father, I ask that we have ears to hear, yes, that we have eyes to see, yes, and that we have a heart that is receptive to you, yes, because Father God, you are our everything. Amen. And so, Father God, our, our main purpose is to honor you. And so, Father God, I pray that as we hear your word, that we act on your word, that, Father, that everything points to honoring you. Yes. Yes. Amen. And so, Father God, I thank you for that. I thank you for the words that, that, will, be, that will go forth. I pray that you use those words according to your purpose okay. and according to your will. Amen. And that, Father, that they honor you. Yes. Because, Father God, you're it. Amen. That's all there is. There's right. just you're it. And we just, we worship you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated, please. I want to challenge your your thinking today, okay? Uh, And so uh, the Lord placed something on my heart several weeks ago, and uh, I want to bring that before you. I will be reading from the New American Standard, okay? I think Jennifer's got us where it'll show on the screen. Uh, And I may, you know, you have to be careful. It's the way you learn things. Sometimes I can quote scripture and I'll, I'll I'll, I'll quote it in King James/New slash New American Standard/Amplified Classic. So they, there's no telling how it'll come out, okay? And you say that ain't that ain't what it says on the screen? But uh, you know that's just kind of the way we are. Sometimes we we read so many, and there and there's wonderful translations and all. And uh, you know the thing about all of them is is that we need to we look at them in order to get a a deeper understanding. Okay. For example, today we'll be reading, uh, starting out in, in Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, it was written in, 19, in, in 57 A.D., not 1957, 57 A.D., okay? So it's important that, that we, uh, we look at the Word and, and see what's going on, and I'm going to give you a couple of dates as we go through here. I think it's important, okay, you know the Bible, and and especially the New Testament, is not written in chronological order. It's been grouped by who the author was, but it's not in chronological order. So, you know, we, we read things, and it's important that we read things, but it's good that we know when it was written, because what you will see, and it happens in your life too, if you allow it to, is things that they may have said here Later on, they wrote, and there was a much clearer and much deeper understanding of the things of God. Amen. Because why? They were growing. Amen. They, Paul, for example, since we're going to be in 2 Corinthians, Paul didn't have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John to read. Most of that stuff was written way into his ministry. So he didn't have it to read. Now, he probably read it sometime which gave him some clarity in some other areas. But as far as, as when he started out his ministry, he didn't have those. Okay? So when we read the word and we get to understand the word, then we're able to move forward in the things of God. Now, you know, you always hate to ask questions because you might get honest answers. Uh, when you first got born again, did you get, did you understand completely the Word of God? No. When we accepted, when we we got filled with the Holy Spirit, did you have a, a full understanding of the Word of God? Could you, no. It was placed within us, but it had to be developed. The Spirit of God abides within you who knows all things and teaches all things. Okay, and so it's important that we allow it to to work in us. So it's a process. Okay, if you think you're there, I'm going to go ahead and tell you you're not, because we're, we're 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 increasing. We're going from glory to glory. There's things that we're increasing in the things of God, and if we're not growing, you produce no fruit. Or if you do produce. fruit fruit. It looks kind of pitiful. I know uh, we, we, we do patio tomatoes. And uh, if depending on the amount of sunlight they get and the amount of water they get is how good those how big those tomatoes are. Some of them, you're wondering, come on, you can get just a little bit bigger. You're already red. Can't you get bigger? You know, because you can't even make a good sandwich. If you can't make a good sandwich, then it's not a good tomato. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it's, it's just a process. Okay, then we have to go to the farmer's market. But <laughs> That's okay. We, we like them too. So, if you would, and I'm going to take you into an area that has been debated uh, quite frequently, but but bear with me. I need to bring it out first for us to be able to go forward into some things. And it's Second Corinthians twelve. And let's start it in in, in verse one. Paul said boasting is necessary though it is not profitable so let me pause there just a second who when we're boasting who does that edify hmm 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 Typically, when we're boasting, who does it edify? That's ourselves, right? Yeah. Yeah, we need to boast in the things of God, who he is. But yeah, most of the time, we as human beings, okay, can we just be honest here? It's okay. When we boast, we're boasting about our abilities. And, And so Paul said, boasting is necessary, why? You know, well, it's, it's to, to show that you've got to understand in, in 2 Corinthians, this actually 2 Corinthians is the fourth letter that Paul wrote to Corinth. Some of them are missing. Matter of fact, I believe there's two missing, okay, mm-hmm. that are actually what they consider is, is missing when you, when you research it. But here, Paul was in Corinth, and Corinth was, gosh, it was the crossroads of the world. It was, uh, Corinth is in southern Greece, right there, uh, where, where the big part of Greece ties with the little island the island that kind of protrudes off of Greece, and it, and it was a trade route, okay? The people there uh, wanted to be wealthy. Hmm, that sounds like a country I live in. Uh, <laughs> You know, they wanted to be they wealthy, and, and they had different things. And Paul typically went to the lower, to the middle class. He never went to the top. He worked his way up. But there were others that were coming in, and, and a lot of the scholars refer to them as super apostles. And they would come in bragging about their abilities and what they could do. Okay. So Paul got, if you would, just a little bit caught up in that because he's having to justify who he was. And we'll, and you'll see that here and just hang on. You don't go nowhere. He said, oh, Lord, Joel's done going off the deep end. No, hang on. He said, but Paul said here, though it's not profitable, what profit was it for him to do that? See, he thought there's no profit at all. Okay. But he says, but I will go on to visions and revelations of the Lord. See, he had revelations. Then we get in here, then, then Paul starts speaking. He says, I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago, whether in the body, I do not know, or out of the body, I do not know, God knows. Such a man was called up to the third heaven. And I know such a man, whether in the body or apart from the body, I do not know, God knows. Was, he was called up into paradise and heard unexpressible words which man is not permitted to speak some folks may say well that's John well no John didn't have his vision until later okay this was Paul speaking of himself in third person okay okay so don't speculate about who it may have been. He's talking about himself. okay? We, we have a tendency to, to look over into certain areas. Uh, and, and Paul was talking about himself. And in verse 5, it says, On behalf of such a man, I will boast. What? On that particular man that saw the vision and had the revelations. He says, But, my own, uh, but on my own behalf, I will not boast. So he's not going to boast in himself. He may boast in the visions and the revelations, but he wasn't going to boast within himself. He says, uh, except in regard to my weakness. For I do not wish to boast. I will not be foolish. For I will be speaking the truth, but I refrain from this so that no one will credit me with more than he sees in me or hears from me. Typically, what happens when when folks have to boast, they're trying to get you to recognize what they have experienced or what they have or the gift they have. But if I'm walking in the things of God, okay, if I'm walking in the things of God, doing what he's instructed me to do, I have to tell you nothing. You'll hear it in my speech. You'll see it in my actions. If I have to tell you what I'm doing, then it's probably not very evident because you're sitting there and you're looking at me. Oh, I ain't seen that. Is, who's he talking about? When, he said, is he talking in third person? <laughs> or is he talking about another person? He so said, we need for it to come out in us. We need, it needs to be seen in us, okay? So it's important that, that even though in the vision, it was too great nor was he allowed to speak of what he saw and what he heard. Can you imagine God showing you something? Whether out of the body or just in a vision, and then he says, oh, by the way, you can't tell nobody. (laughs) There's that struggle that goes in, because you know what? You're still flesh. And, and that's rising up within you, and you say, I want to tell it. But, but God says, You can't. So, so I, could say, I, I had a vision. I have a revelation from God. Oh, by the way, I can't tell you. You know, the, we would get prideful in that. We would start to boast of our flesh, not necessarily of the things of God. So just hang on with me, okay? Don't, don't go nowhere. And so there in verse five, we said, you know, he's he's debating within himself, well, I could boast, but I'm not gonna boast. So there's that debate going on. Hold your place right there. Flip over with me to Luke chapter ten. And you say, well, when was Luke written? Well, it was probably in the late 50s, uh, uh, early 60 AD, but we, well, that doesn't matter. Well, this is about, this is something that we need to, to realize. In, in, in Luke 10, verse 17, you know, this is a familiar story. You know, Jesus had sent the 12 out and then he sent the 70 out, right? And then he told them not to take anything with them, that, that, that he would take care of them. And if they received the word, you, you stay with them and you, you abode with them and you share that. if they, they don't, you dust the, the dirt off your feet and you, you go on, right? You, you remember that, okay? So in verse 17, he said, The 70 returned to the Lord, saying, Even demons... subject to us in your name. So are they boasting a little bit? Yeah, they are. Because they had never experienced this before. Matter of fact, they hadn't been around anybody that experienced that before until Jesus showed up. Okay. Jesus got folks' attention. He messed up religion altogether. Okay. I mean, the religious folks didn't like him at all. That ain't. We ain't never taught that. We ain't going to teach it now. But now Jesus come in there and done things that messed everybody's religious thoughts up. But he goes on to say, and he said to them, Jesus acknowledged that. He said, yes. In other words, he said, I was watching Satan fall from the heavens like lightning. So he saw they were being effective in what? The very thing that he sent them to do. Okay. They were accomplishing the work that Jesus had sent them to do. Okay? And he says, Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions over all the power of the enemy, and nothing will injure you. So he made them invincible, wouldn't you say? In, in the spirit realm. Okay? But he said, Nevertheless. Oh, we, you know those conjunctions just kind of... We've got to read further. He said, Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, boast in this, be prideful in this. But he said that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice, be boastful, be proud, be uh, in, in that your names are recorded in heaven. See, that's the most greatest gift of all, that our name is written down in heaven. We do the works of the ministry. Why? He said, Greater works than these shall you do, because I'm going to go be with the Father. He said, He was going to send us a comforter who would teach us and lead us and guide us into all truth. And He gave us all of those things. But our focus is on Him. What did Jesus say when the things He did? He said, I don't do these things on my own accord. I only do the things that I see my Father doing. See, Jesus, when he when healed folks or folks would get delivered, he said, don't go tell nobody. You know, because he didn't want them to come to him. They didn't want him boasting in his ability of what he did. He was directing them to the Father. Right. He says, it's not me. I'm only doing what I see my Father do. Amen. And that's what Jesus wants us to do. He gave us an example. He only wants us to do what we see Jesus doing. It's not because we're special and all that. No, we've accepted the very thing that God has done on our behalf. So therefore, we do the works Amen. that he did Amen. honoring him. Amen. God. Amen. In other words, you're not all that in a bag of chips, okay? <laughs> all right. It's all him. We just happen to be a part of his plan, what he wants to do. We've got a whole lot to learn in the things of God. Praise God. Let's go back to uh, 2 Corinthians 12. He says, because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations. So he, he, he must have received something there. That was awful powerful. That he could even talk about. Okay. He said. To keep me from exalting myself. What. It's this stuff right here. It's. This old fleshly nature. It wants to take charge. And it wants to get puffed up. And it wants to say. Look at me. More so today than ever before because, because you can't play a sport without getting a trophy. But we didn't win no games. You played. You get a trophy. Is that correct way to do things? If everything we do, we get rewarded for it, whether it's right or wrong or good or bad, then really it, what value does it have? We've degraded the things that, have, that are valuable. Therefore we agree that we put everybody on the same playing field and and they they're not there, there's those that God calls that give some different anointings and and we're to honor those there's the, the we got the apostles the prophets the pastor the, uh, the evangelists and the teachers we're we're supposed to honor those folks that God's given those gifts to but and and, and don't he said but don't desire just those desire other things because all of those are temporary positions. You know, everybody wants. I want that position. Well, it's temporary. It's just because until we come into the unity of faith. Once we come in, into the unity of faith, those positions won't be. Because we'll be focusing on whom. Once you get to God, I'm sorry. When I'm set before God, I'm not going to stop and listen to Pastor Susan. I'm sorry I love her, but you know I'm going to listen to him. You know? And it's not taking anything away from because Because all the gifts of the body and the five-fold ministry is important until... Are we in the unity of the faith? Uh, no. There are churches that compete with the other churches. Is that the unity of the faith? One one denomination competing with another. Is that unity? So, well, we're all working towards the same goal. No, we're not. I'm right. You're wrong. What's what's the problem there? You know? So it's important that we, we, we continue to honor those. And it's important that we honor those until we come into the unity of the faith. Everything needs to be pointing to him. The apostle needs to be pointing to him. The prophet needs to be pointing to him. The evangelist, the pastor, the teacher, everything needs to be pointing to him. If it's not pointing to him, it's wrong. Whoops, did I say that out loud? I did. Sorry. But it's, it's what it is. It's got to point to him. Okay. But he goes on to say, he says, to keep me from exalting myself, there was given me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan, to torment me. King James says, Buffet, uh, to keep me from exalting myself. You say, God, that's pretty rough. God gave him a spirit. No, it didn't say God. He said it was given to him. The word buffet or torment means to strike with fist. That's what it actually means. Or it could be worded as, give one a blow with the fist. So he was being, you know, a lot of folks would say, well, he had a physical ailment. Well, it was his eyesight because he'd been, you know, he had a limp because he'd been stoned. It doesn't say that. So I can't read anything into it that it doesn't say. He just said it was a messenger of Satan. That's good enough right there. We don't need to debate what it was. He said it was a thorn in his flesh. It was something that physically he was dealing with. Now, let me tell you something. If somebody hurts your feeling, does that affect you in your flesh? Absolutely, it does. If somebody says, you're stupid, you don't know what you're talking about, does that affect you in your flesh? Absolutely. If I break your arm, does that affect you in your flesh? Yes, it does. So we don't know what it was. We just know that it was something from Satan. that was keeping him from exalting himself. He was struggling with it. He was fighting with it. He, if you ever had something in your life that you didn't, wasn't pleased with and you thought God wasn't pleased with it and you had to deal with it? Oh yeah. If you tell me no. We're going to have to, yeah, I need you to tell me how you did that. No, there there are things there are things the enemy will bring up in your mind when you were in the world. And and there's something will come by a little, just a little twitch of something, and all of a sudden your mind goes. You're back there. You, you and oh God, God, they're gonna take every thought captive in the, midst of the Lord Jesus Christ, casting down every vain imagination that it exalt itself against the knowledge of God. <laughs> Whew, I got that one memorized because that's the way the enemy comes. He comes against our mind, and he and he brings up things from our past that we've been forgiven for. If we brought it before Jesus and laid it as his feet and said, forgive us and accepted him as our Lord and Savior, all that's in the past. But guess what? I still live in a flesh body and I still got this mind up here that remembers some things it don't need to remember and it doesn't remember some things it needs to remember. You know, but we have these things that rise up in us, right? So, so Paul was dealing with some issues here. And he said, in verse 8, he says concerning this, what? That messenger of Satan, that thing that was tormenting him, that thing that was (laughs) striking him with a fist. He said, he said, concerning, I implored the Lord three times that it might leave me. Now let me ask you something. A lot of folks will judge Paul at this point, say, well, he didn't have faith. When there's something that's dear to your heart, something that you're dealing with, do you only go to God one time with it? No, we don't. We'll ask the Lord many times because we're struggling with it. Why? It's because we ain't there yet. Okay. we're we're, we're dealing with. So Paul was dealing with this, this turmoil within him, though, what he was dealing with. And he knew that to keep him from exalting himself. See, the fact that he told us that it was to keep him from exalting himself, exalting himself against what? The knowledge of God. To be greater than God. Because we said, well, look at me. I can, what I can, what I know, what I can do. No, see, he knew that. That was within Paul that he was having to wrestle with that. And he said, we all have have gone to the Lord multiple times concerning things in our life. And then at some point in time, there is a good possibility. And I hope we are, that we're overcoming those things. But you know what? There's another challenge waiting for you. So... So what was going on with him? You know, he, he, a lot of times when things come at us, we begin to depend on our knowledge. We, we start depending on our abilities. We start working towards, uh, well, I have this gift, you know, and I can overcome it. At some point in time, if we, if we allow ourselves to get puffed up, we don't call on God in the correct manner. Right. Good. He can handle anything in your life. Amen. Anything. Yes. There's nothing too hard for him. The problem is we got to learn to trust him and allow him to do it in our life rather than us trying to do it within our own self. And that's what happens so many times is we're trying to overcome this within our own self. Greater is he that's within you, that's true, than he that's within the world. But let the one that's in you come out. Let him deal with this issue. You quit trying to deal with it and then you can overcome it. It doesn't become a thing that is tormenting you. It doesn't become a thing that keeps smacking at you. Okay, so we need to allow that to take place. We need to trust Him rather than trust in ourselves. I will fail in my own abilities. But as long as I'm walking in him and trusting in him, I will never fail. Yes. amen, praise God. So I'm, 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 I'm gonna mess up Jennifer just for a second. If you'll turn to James 1, hold your place, don't, get, don't go out of Corinthians quite yet. I'll let you get out of that one. Folks, will get over and say, ah, let's move on, okay, let's move on. James chapter one. James says in in James chapter 1 verse 2 says, Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials. I haven't got that one down pat yet. Okay? You may have, but I'm still, I don't necessarily like them, okay? But he said, Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And then let endurance have its perfect work so that you will be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. So if, if this afternoon, if, if I go home and, and, and I'm putting brakes on, on the car and I take the old brakes off and I put the new ones on. I adjust everything. I make sure everything's hooked up correct and everything. And I put the hub back on if it's disc brakes or if it's, it's I mean, if it's uh, drum brakes or I'm thinking of my Mustang. Or if it's disc brakes, I put, look and make sure everything's okay. I put it back on there, put the wheel back on, and then I let it sit in the driveway. No. I back it out of the driveway. And I see if it stops at the stop sign. My hopes is that it stops. Yes. Okay, my neighbor may not appreciate it if I come straight on across that intersection into his yard. Yeah. But see, what did I do? I tested what had been done on that car. Because I, if it was Janice's car, I, I, would, I would test it before I would let her get out and go in it. Do that with my kids. I always done that with the kids. No, I fixed it. Then I didn't tell them to jump in and go see how it worked. Well, I did the boys as they got older. Because <laughs> they needed the experience, okay? But I wouldn't do that to the girls. I said, no, I, I took it down the road, drove it, and they always liked for me to take their car. Jennifer always said, Daddy, I think the car's making a funny noise. And I'd get in it and I'd drive. I'd be gone an hour and, and it, I'd come back in it, full tank of gas had been vacuumed out. And it, I went through the car wash. And I said, honey, I couldn't find anything wrong with it. She says, okay, Later, she confessed that all that was to get Dad to put gas in it. All the other was extra. Okay, that was a freebie. Okay. But see, the things of of God that that we deal with and these trials and these tests that come into our life, it is not that God is forsaking us, but to see, can you overcome it? How do we overcome it? By trusting in Him, by letting Him be in charge. And when He's in charge, when this thing comes, I just automatically say... Here you go. I can't handle it. And he will help us walk through it. Because when we do that, we have learned that he is our source, not us. And when we learn that he's our source, not us, then we're victorious in the very things of God. And I'm not to say that Paul probably wasn't dealing with some of this. He was still learning. And you say, Ah, now, Joel, are you sure about that? Yeah, I am. All right. Pretty sure. Pretty sure. Because he wrote that in the early part of 57 AD. He wrote Romans in the latter part of 57 AD. So if you would, turn with me to Romans chapter 1. You know, Paul heard about the Roman church. He longed to go there. And he was unable to, uh, to get there at that point, but he longed to be there. So starting in verse 1, Romans chapter 1, verse 1, he said, Paul, a bondservant of Jesus Christ, called as an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God. He said, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his son who was born of the descendant of David according to the flesh who was declared the Son of God with power by the resurrection from the dead, according to the Spirit of holiness, Jesus Christ our Lord, through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith among all the Gentiles for his name's sake. See, Paul just just said, hey, I'm sent to the Gentiles. He's Jewish, but he was sent to the Gentiles. He's telling the Romans that I'm sent to Gentiles. Because okay, guess what? The Romans were Gentiles. Okay? And he was a Roman citizen. Okay? He bought his citizenship. That's how, how you became a Roman citizen. If you, you go back and you start reading the uh, things about him and when he interacted with the Romans and how they would try to bring him before the judge, he'd say, I'm a Roman citizen, you can't do that. I, I appealed to Caesar. Well, you couldn't do that unless you was a Roman citizen that had some clout, if you would. Okay. So anyway, he said but he went on to say he said <clears throat> verse 6 whom among whom you also are called of Jesus Christ. He said y'all are called too. So if people say no, what Jesus did was for the Jews only. No, he he did it for the Gentiles too. He said you were called. He did it for this purpose as well. Okay? He said To all who are beloved of God in Rome, called as saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for y'all. What's what's changed here? Boy, he's honoring God in everything he's saying. See, something happened in his life in the first part of 57 AD, that by and all we hear at the end of 57 AD, he, he, we're seeing a difference in his speech and, and how his acknowledgement of, of, of Christ. And he did that all through his scripture, but all of a sudden he's writing a letter, but he is pouring it on because things had changed in his life. He, did you notice that he ain't said nothing about a thorn in the flesh? Because when Jesus handles it, it's handled. Okay. He says, he said, back up verse 8. First, I thank my God through, through Jesus Christ for you all, because your faith is being proclaimed throughout the whole world. For God, whom I serve in my spirit, in the preaching of the gospel of his Son, is my witness as to how unexceedingly I make, uh, un, un, unincreasingly, excuse me, I make mention of you always in my prayers making requests if perhaps now at last by the will of God I may succeed in coming to you he wanted to be there okay he says for I long to see you that I may impart some spiritual gift to you that you may be established so he he was wanting to share what he had so that they would have more so they would grow where they would increase where they would be uh, growing the things of God And and they would be established. That means they would be rooted and grounded in the word of God. That they would be rooted and grounded in the things of God and what God wanted to do. Where were you, Joel? (laughs) Verse 12. That is that I may be encouraged together with you. See there? It wasn't about him. He wanted to be encouraged together. With, with them. By the coming together. He would be encouraged. They would be encouraged. It's a joint thing. And when we come together as a body, we need to be encouraged together. He said that is that we may be encouraged together with you while among you. Each of us by the other's faith. Not that my faith is greater than your faith. Our That's faith. Right. I'm encouraged Amen. by your faith. Yes. You're encouraged by my faith. Yes. Yes. Not that, well, I got better faith than you got. No. I'm encouraged by your faith. You're encouraged by my faith. That is the joint thing. We're all growing in this. Amen. He said, both yours and mine. He said, I do not want you to be unaware, brethren, that often I have planned to come to you and have been prevented so far so that I may obtain some fruit among you also. He said, he just wanted to sow into their lives. He said, even as among the rest of the Gentiles. See, he's a Roman citizen, so naturally he wants to sow into the Romans. Is there some folks in your family you want to sow into? You do. Amen. There are folks in your family you want to sow into so that they can increase in the things of God, yes. so that they can bear fruit to God. Yes. Amen. God. Amen. He says, I am under obligation both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish. So for my part, I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. He wanted to go to Rome. For I am not ashamed... Of the gospel. For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jews first and then also the Greek. Now, while he was writing this, Paul was also still in Corinth. He says, For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. God's righteousness in you is revealed by your faith and the faith of others. Amen. That's good. That's good. Amen. You have been called unto righteousness. Amen. Walk in it. Amen. That's good. Amen. That doesn't make you better. And somebody, that's just what God wants us to do. He wants us to be right. Righteousness, right standing with God. And how can we be in right standing with God? Doing the very thing that He has done and showed us to do and called us to do so that we live like Him. That we show forth His grace. We show forth His mercy. We show forth His salvation. We're showing forth Him. What does the word say about my eye rags? It says they are, come on, filthy. My righteousness is His filthy rag. So we walk in His righteousness and we're all purified. I can mess up my... I, you let me, if I try to do it in my own thing, I can tell you what, I can mess it up and I know some of y'all and y'all can too. <laughs> but we walk in His righteousness. Okay? He says, For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, but the righteous man shall live by faith. Let's turn over to Ephesians chapter 6. All right. So I told you that he wrote to the Romans in 1957, right? Or 1957. In 57 AD. And here we are uh, in Ephesians. He wrote the letter to Ephesians in 61 A.D. So let's go to Ephesians. and let's, That's G.E. Power Company. General, Galatians and Ephesians. No, Philippians. Colossians. That's how I always... That helped me remember. Okay. In, in Ephesians chapter 6 verse 12. You, you probably got to underline your Bible. He says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Paul's thorn in the flesh was not against flesh and blood. It was against what? What did he say? A messenger of Satan, right? He says, for our struggles were not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. So his messenger of Satan took on a whole host of things that he realized, didn't he? He got real descriptive here. It wasn't just a messenger from Satan. He went in to, to tell what our battle and our struggles are against. Again, he says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood. If somebody makes you mad, somebody insults you, and somebody says slanderous things to you, you are not wrestling or your struggles are not against those individuals. We, have it, we do it because we can see them. We can touch them. We can hear them. We can smell them. We want to smack them. No, no you, you know, <laughs> but that is not where our struggle lies. If I smack them, you say, well, I might knock some sense into them. Well, then are, then are we doing, we're a thorn in the flesh then because what does Buffett mean? To strike with a fist. So you have to walk over in the corner and talk to yourself. And that's okay. But he says, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forkness of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. So that's where our struggles is coming from. So Paul was able to give us much more insight later on in his ministry. Why? Because he walked through it. He experienced it. He found out what was going on. Therefore, he was able to encourage you to overcome this stuff because he did. How? Through him. His grace is sufficient. And that's what Jesus was telling him. He says, my grace is sufficient. Not in your ability, but in his ability. This might preach, I don't, you know, but anyway, just a little bit. So we saw that, that Paul was getting some understanding here. And that's why it's important that we get in the Word. We study the Word. We hear the Word. We place the Word. We open up the Word. We search out the Word. We read the Word. We continue on. We look at different translations. You, you try to understand what's going on with it because that helps us get to a place. The very thing that happened to Paul as he grew in the things of God. he He had more understanding. He had more wisdom. He had more knowledge. He had more revelation of what God wanted to do and how we overcame those things. See, he didn't have to go to the Lord again for three times. He learned that if I trust him, I don't have to worry about it. We need to get there. I need to get there. So my my trust and my hope and my faith is all in him and not in my abilities. Now, can God use us to do that? Absolutely. We are His hands and His feet on this earth. He wants to use us. He wants you to lay hands on the sick. Did What happened with the 12? What happened with the 70 that Jesus sent out? They were able to accomplish the very thing that Jesus was doing. Amen. But He said, what? Don't rejoice that they're subject to you, but rejoice that your name's written down in heaven. See, our focus is on Him Amen. and that we're going to spend time eternity with him not on look what I can do Amen. well you know it's, if even and guess what we'll still do those things but our focus is on him right. you know we'll still lay hands on the sick and they'll recover but our focus yes. is on him Amen. we will cast out Amen. devils Amen. but our focus yes. is Amen. on him Amen. and then as we grow in those things, Then the greater works, the greater works shall you do because I'm going to go to be with the Father. So now we're honoring him who is sitting next to who? The Father. Hey, he's on our team. And we're able to overcome those things. And we're, to change, and we're changing people's life. And when that, then then it's not about well, did, you know, brother Reggie laid hands on me and I got healed and delivered. And and but but he kept talking about Jesus and him doing it. And all. see the focus, even though he used brother Reggie, he kept pointing to Jesus. And that's what changed their life because I can't depend. Brother Reggie may be on the beach next weekend and I need something and what am I going to do if he ain't here? See, we point people to Jesus and then when something comes up, I don't have to wait till next time I see Reggie. I'm able to go directly to the Father now. Reggie was just the vessel that day that I needed and he was there and he was available. Okay? So keep pointing folks to Jesus. You know, I love Billy Burke. I love the ministry that he's got and the ministry that he he obtained and and the call he obtained under Catherine Coomins' ministry and what happened in his life. But if I wait on Billy to show up here, I might die before he gets here. Okay? But you and me have all been called to that ministry. I don't have to wait on Billy. Amen. Amen. Now, if he shows up, good. But, Brother Gary, you have that same Spirit of God in you that is in him. We just need to let it out. We need to learn to release the things and trust in God. So, we, we question our gifts and callings. Don't question it. Allow it to come out. Let it to flow. Let it to be what God wants it to be. You know, we can, we can condemn ourselves right into the back corner, in the back room, in the darkest closet, and we'll sit there all shriveled up thinking that we're, we're unable, we're not worthy. I don't have those abilities. Yes, you do. Because greater is he that's within you than he that's within the world. So, so we saw there that a thing happened in Paul's life just by following the, the actual, chrono, the real chronological order of what was taking place, right? So we saw that there was a difference in the way he presented it, the way he observed it, the way he acted on it. So let's go to Philippians chapter 3. not excuse me, just, yeah, Philippians chapter 3. Philippians was written in 62 A.D., so G-E, power, okay? Philippians is the power, okay? So you're in Ephesians. Turn over a couple of pages to Philippians chapter 3. Paul said, finally, my brother, rejoice in the Lord. He says, to write the same thing again t- is no trouble to me. And it, it is a safeguard for you. Beware of the dogs, beware of the evil workers, beware of the false circumcisions. He said, they're they're, they're out there. They are operating in the flesh, being led by the powers of darkness, okay? He said, we are the true circumcision who worship the spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. See, it's... (laughs) all about him it's all about him See, so we don't put any confidence in our ability in our flesh but it's all him and when you allow that to flow through you and come out of you then I don't have to have an inferiority complex cause it ain't about me anyway God used a donkey to straighten out a prophet I'm sure he can probably use you even though some of you, never mind. <laughs> Reggie, get on to me if I said, that some of you act like a, no. <laughs> but he says, he said, so he said that who worship God, the spirit of God and glory in Christ and put no confidence in the flesh. Although I myself might have confidence even in the flesh. So now he's going to explain some things to us, okay, why he dealt with some issues in his life. He says, if anyone else has a mind to put confidence in the flesh, I far more. He says, I was circumcised on the eighth day. He says, of the nation of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as the law, a Pharisee. So, I mean, he was, he he had the pedigree okay he said as to zeal he said a persecutor of the church as to righteousness which is in the law i was found blameless so would based on all of that would he have especially within the jewish community have the right to boast and to brag Man, he had to pre- i mean he had it there But he says, but whatever things were gained to me, those things have I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. He says, they don't mean nothing compared to Jesus Christ. All of his pedigree was nothing. It didn't have any value compared to Christ and knowing him. Okay. Okay. So he goes on to say, he says, more than that. (laughs) Wait a minute. You mean there's more he's talking about? He said, more than that. I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord. He says, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things. Pharisees were... All about the money. Okay, they believed in the resurrection, but they were also, just as the Pharisees, they were, they were usually, they liked the money, okay, and they had the money, okay? But he's sitting here saying, he says, I've lost all things. He says, I have suffered loss of all things, counting them, but rubbish. See, they had no value. Once he come to the true knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, all of that, his, his being circumcised, being an Israelite, being a Hebrew, being of the tribe of Benjamin, being a Pharisee, being zaleous, none of that meant anything to him after he come to know Jesus Christ. He said it was all rubbish compared to Jesus. And so we think that sometimes that our gifts and talents and abilities will make us something. No, it's all Jesus. And when we, when we walk in that, then he can be honored in all things. He said, so I just count them but rubbish so that I may gain Christ. All that don't mean anything. That's rubbish. All I want is Jesus. See, that's where Paul was. I don't need none of that. All I need is Jesus. Let me get back up here. Lost my space. He says, so that... I may be found in him not having a righteousness on my own derived from the law. See, if I, if I develop a righteousness on my own, it's all based on the law of God, not on the spirit of God. He says, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith. See, We're not trying to do it by works. We're doing it by faith. A walk of faith. You're in a faith church. You need to walk in that faith. He says, that I may know him. See, Paul said, I just, I want to know him. And the power of his resurrection. See, what happened in the power of his resurrection? He conquered death. He had the keys of death and hell. He could overcome all of that of the enemy. Yes. He did it, yes. Yes. and so we get to be a part of that because of what he did. Yes. And that's what Paul was saying here. He says, "I want to know him, Amen. Yes. and I want to walk in the power of his yes. Amen. resurrection yes. 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 and the fellowship of his suffering." Yes. You know, uh, several years, many years ago. You know, we James Robinson was uh, in Gadsden. He was and uh, uh, I was on the road. I mean, I leave home on Monday. If I got home on Friday, it was a joyous occasion. If I got home on Wednesday, I got a big old hug and kiss. You know, <laughs> uh, and but I, I was able to work my schedule out to where I could be home every night because we were Janice and I, along with uh, other folks in our congregation and the pastor, and all uh, along with a lot of people in the city, were counselors. And so we. Uh, I'd leave early so I could get home, okay? I'd, I'd, go, I'd, I'd show up at a, at a Walmart when the, and lock the door. I, I was the first one in, okay? Because I was working, was, There was one of the stores I worked on. When we got back, and of course, Christian radio was, was getting more popular, and uh, I was, I'd listen to, uh, you know, I'd, I'd give me a little coping. I'd give me a little Hagen. And everybody else going down the road, you know, put a little bit under my, uh, between my cheek and my gum and boy, I just go for it. And uh, and just on that, and then I'd been, uh, it'd been an interesting week to say the least. Just hundreds of people would come down uh, for prayer and then we, and and it happened to be in the football stadium of the school that I went to school at. So I, I I knew my way around. We had they had two locker rooms that they had turned into areas for counseling. And uh, so anyway, I had uh, I had been praying about that scripture. And 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 I said, you know, I was confused about or or for me, you know, I wanted so what is the fellowship of your suffering. So that night. Close of the service, you know, James Robinson called folks to come down for prayer. And and if any of y'all have ever been in those big meetings like that, and Billy Graham did it, and a lot of a lot of large evangelists, especially at youth stadiums, you, counselors and stuff would trickle down. The, the whole thought was, well, if people see somebody going down, that will encourage them to make that step to go on down themselves. Okay? So... A lot of times, as soon as the offering call, everybody that was counselor stand up and, poof, they'd go down. Well, they would crowd the front end, you know. Maybe they needed it. I'm not sure. But anyway, so uh, we, I, we went, I went down, and I was standing kind of in the open area. It was on the track, and I hadn't got out to the, where, you know, the crowd was yet. And, they, and I saw a young man coming down out of the bleachers. He passed fifteen, twenty counselors and came it's just like a beeline, Brother Reggie. He's and so I stood with him and I shared, I talked with him, and then James Robinson did his thing and they had prayer and all that. And then they went with us, so he went with me. We went to the session. And and he's praying. He said, I can't do this. I can't believe that. His friend that was with him got born again. But he's sitting there shaking his head no. Broke my heart. I had head counselor that was over that group come over and he talked to him. He's sitting there shaking his head no. I can't do this. He said uh, his friend come over and shared his testimony. I mean just got saved. Shared his testimony. You figure, okay, here's your buddy. Here's the guy you came with, and he's sharing. And he said, oh, I said, that's fine, but he said, I can't do that. Broke my heart. He wasn't rejecting me. He was rejecting Jesus. And you think about, when you talk about the fellowship of his suffering, it could be Jesus paid the price for it. All of it. And he said, no. I can't do that. Would that be a, a fellowship of his suffering? A part of it? Because, see, what what, what I was experiencing in, in that point was not the rejection of Joel. But I, I, I was experiencing how the rejection that Jesus felt. Because what else could Jesus do? He did it all, didn't he? So Paul realized that Jesus paid the price completely. It's a lot different than what we was reading in Corinthians, right? This is later. He realized that there was nothing more than Jesus. That's it. Glorify Him. Honor Him. Point towards Him. It's all about Him. And when we do that, you say, yeah, but what reward will I have? Don't worry about a reward here. Our reward is that our name is written in heaven. You don't deserve any of that. But he made a way to do that for you. He says that I may be found in him not having the righteousness on my own to ride from the law, but that which through faith in Christ Jesus, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering, being conformed to his death. Well, when we conform to his death, what did Jesus do? His death, what did he do? He died to the flesh. Right. That's conforming to his death in your life. You die to the flesh. What does that mean? It has no value compared to the things of God. Right. Amen. See, when, when I realize it ain't all about this, it's all about him, then I start dying to this flesh. And guess what happens when, you, when we look at the death of Jesus? What come afterwards? The resurrection. Yes. The resurrection of life. Yes. Amen. Verse 11. In order that I may obtain to the resurrection from the dead, which is the resurrection of life. When I resurrect from the dead, I'm alive forevermore. There ain't nothing left. Man, Just all Him. Amen. Is that your goal in life? You need that. That needs to be your goal in life. Matter of fact, my Bible says right here uh, at the top of Philippians three, the goal of life. I have to read one more scripture. You just have to bear with me. You stone me later. My daughter says that we're a faith church. Time does not mean anything. <laughs> Isn't that what you said? I'm black. It's Jennifer's fault. Oh. All right, first John 5, verse 4. For whoever, and some of your Bibles may say whatever, but whoever is born of God overcomes the world and this is the victory that has overcome the world our faith in, in Him. Amen. Allow the righteousness of God to rise up within you. Amen. Walk in that righteousness. Yes. Not your righteousness but His righteousness. Walk in the things of God so that we can be like Him. Yes. That, that we, we experience Him completely. Amen. Amen. Stand to your feet. If the Lord has been dealing some areas with you as even as we've shared this morning. Right now is a good time to deal with them face to face. Yes. Amen. He's not against you. Matter of fact, He's all for you. Amen. He wants to expose things in our life not to embarrass us, Not to condemn us, but to bring us in a place of freedom. To bring us in a place of righteousness with him. So Father God, we just uh, come before you. We humbly come before you, Father God. Father, we thank you for your word. Father, you sent your word to heal us. You sent your word to deliver us. You sent your word to set us free. Your word became flesh and dwelt among us and brought forth salvation. And Father, we want to walk in that. We want to honor you. We want to honor Jesus for what he has done on our behalf. We want our life to show forth his love. We, we want our life to show forth His mercy. We want our life to show forth His grace. We want our life to show forth His righteousness. And so Father God, I just ask that you help us to walk in it. Father, we're not judging people. We're not judging one another. If we become the judge, then we judge our own selves as well. Amen. That's right. Amen. The Word tells us that if I judge somebody, that I will be judged with that same judgment, and Father God, I am not worthy to judge anybody. You are the true judge, and we're trusting on you. And you are full of grace, and you are full of mercy. And Father God, you you can take care of everything that comes against us in our lives. And so, Father, we just trust you. We rely on you. We hold. We reach out and we grab a hold of you, Father God, and and just say we just we desire all of you. Set us free. Redeem us. Help us to walk in in your presence, Father God. Help us to walk glorifying Jesus in all that we do. Help us to glorify the Spirit of God in all that we do and say. Father God, and we know it has nothing to do with a bumper sticker that says, Honk if you love Jesus. But if I'm shaking my fist and fussing at them when they're going by me... There's no value in that. I need to walk in righteousness at all things, Father God. And I just want you to be honored in my life. Father, I want you to be pleased with what's taking place in my life. Father God, I just want people to see you as you work in my life, Father God. Amen. Praise God. Amen. And Father, help us to walk in that. Yes. Father, that you would be glorified. Father, because if we exalt you, if we lift you up, that you would draw all men unto you, Father God. And when they see Jesus, they can't compare us to anything else because there's nothing else to compare to Jesus and his righteousness. And so, Father, we, we intend to lift up and exalt Jesus in everything that we do and say that, Father, that many will come to know you. And walk in that same righteousness. The righteousness of God. And we give you praise for that. And we give you honor. In Jesus' name. Amen.